This week, we have leaked documents that show the cozy commercial relationship between Miyabugek First Nation and the aquaculture industry. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. Thank you for supporting Mi'kmaq Matters through Patreon or email funds transfer. These are strange and difficult times. I hope you and those dear to you are well and stay well. Well, I'll you. Many of us were taken aback when we saw that monitoring report from MAMCA on the salmon die-off in operations owned by the Norwegian company Maui and its Canadian entity, Northern Harvest. MAMCA is the acronym for Mi'kmaq Alsum Muamsikig Kohoi Association, MAMCA. It is jointly owned by Meobigeg First Nation and by Halibu First Nation. What was supposed to be a scientific report was thin on the evidence, but thick on the criticism of the media. But nowhere in the report is there any mention of the conflict of interest that Miobugeg finds itself in in regard to Maui and Northern Harvest. Not only does Miobugeg partly own Mamka, it has its own fisheries company called Negutalink Fisheries Limited. So at the same time as Miobugeg through one company, Mamka is providing the supposedly objective report on the salmon die-off, it's been receiving freebies and benefits from Maui via its other company, Nagutalink. There was no mention of that commercial relationship in the MAMCA monitoring report. Some of the details of the commercial relationship between Miobugeg and the industry are detailed in two documents that we have here at Mi'kmaq Matters. One document is the notes of a presentation by Miobugeg at a fisheries conference in Moncton in January. That report tells us that with Maui's help, Miobugeg is getting back into trout farming after losing lots of money on trout earlier in the 2000s. Miobugeg has acquired 23 cages of nets from Maui, along with a site service vessel that would cost a million dollars to purchase, but that they're getting from Maui for the cost of a $100,000 retrofit. Miobugeg will also be supplying Maui with cunners, a fish that's used in salmon aquaculture to eat sea lice. Miobugeg expects to roast close to a million dollars after paying fishermen, according to the report. Later in the program, we'll be telling you of what we found about Miobugeg in internal notes of a meeting between Maui and top provincial officials, including Dwight Ball and Jerry Byrne. These two documents were provided to Mi'kmaq Matters by Bill Bryden, a well-known commentator on the aquaculture industry. I spoke with him about the contents. Let's start at the beginning. Let's start late summer of last year and into early fall when we had that massive salmon die-off on the south coast. And I know, Bill, that uh, you were um, uh, a witness, shall we say. So tell us, uh, just remind us again about that incident, uh, how you found out about it, and um, and uh, uh, the, the, the scale of that disaster. So yeah, I was an eyewitness. Um, I heard reports from um, insiders in the industry, including employees, 
that there were significant uh, mortality events happening throughout August. And um, as a result of that, I made some more inquiries and then decided to write the um, government agencies and a lot of the um, environmental groups to, um, to let them know that there was a serious issue happening on the South Coast. So this was in August. Um, subsequently, um, the media got involved and um, we, I was able to spend um, um, quite a lot of time down there. I, I went down for two visits, about a week long each, and done a lot of investigative filming and uh, videography um, of the sites. So I visited all of the impacted sites and, and more besides. I visited, uh, I think, 16 sites in total and, um, and filmed some rather amazing things like cages that were supposed to have been cleaned out that were still full of schools of salmon left behind weeks and weeks later. You know, not lots, not, you know, tens of thousands of fish, but hundreds and hundreds of fish. We filmed all this. The cages were abandoned. They'd been cleaned out maybe a month earlier. And, um, and the schools of, you know, hundreds of fish, a couple of few hundred fish in some cases, um, were left in the pens, swimming around in circles, not being fed. Um, I've seen dead sharks in the bottom of the pens, uh, other large fish that we thought maybe were tuna. And, of course, people remember that last fall when, um, when the uh, this story was uh, hitting the news big time in Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, the government withdrew licenses from uh, Northern Harvest slashed Maui. And uh, so the licenses were suspended. And then earlier this year, uh, well, just last month in, in April, the licenses were restored and they were restored in large part on the basis of the report from MAMCA, this monitoring report from MAMCA that uh, has a date of April 24th, uh, 2020. So this is the report monitoring, supposedly, the any lasting environmental impact of this massive salmon die-off. and. Uh, I think many people were surprised when they saw the report for the for the tone of the report, uh, very critical of the subjective uh, media as it calls them, um, uh, lumping uh, the media in with the Sea Shepherd Society. Of course, that's <laughs> in Newfoundland, Labrador. That's uh, is pretty uh, volatile uh, and uh, aggressively unbalanced coverage uh, by the CBC, according to this report. So that was one surprising element, but the other surprising element was the weak, uh, shall we say, the weak um, uh, contents of the report in terms of the actual monitoring done. So you've read this report, so uh, tell us what your assessment is of the, of the science, the actual amount of monitoring done, and, uh, and whether uh, you think that... Um, the findings such as they are, are reliable in the circumstances. Yeah, so my background is about 10 years of watchdogging and being involved in every major environmental um, assessment document that's been filed by the aquaculture industry in Newfoundland and Labrador for quite a, quite a number of years now, since about 2012, 2011. Um, so I read through the report, uh, Glenn, and I was rather um, disappointed, I guess, at the lack of rigor of science involved in the report, um, the tone of the report, as you mentioned, and, um, and the time period that had elapsed between the die-off, which started in August, and the actual field data gathering. 
So for example, when the CBC was on the back of a long liner with the TV crew and camera crew um, at one of these sites that was being cleaned up, the sonar was reading, I think it was nine fathoms deep of Gurry, about a kilometer from the site. So um, the captain decided to stop the boat for a moment and then hit full throttle to stir up what was underneath the boat. Remember, we're a kilometer from this cleanup site. And because he thought that this nine fathoms deep of Gurry was was Gurry right to the bottom because we could see it right as far as deep as we could see into the water. It was just a floating sludge in the water of oil and fish parts. And when the tur- when the propeller kicked in full throttle, Every single person on the boat, all the CBC staff, myself, the captain, and the other people on the board boat, almost got violently ill. Again, this is a kilometer from the site. Because of the smell. Because of the smell. It just stirred it all up, and the reek that was coming off it, Glenn, I can crawl up inside of a moose when I'm cleaning it. But this was something else. So that amount of biomass of fish, flesh, and fat a kilometer away told me that this was going to have a lasting impact. But of course it's dispersed, it's spread out. And the amount of fat that we were seeing on the floating on the surface, I mean, it just went on for kilometers. Hmm. Um, so if you wait enough period of time, of course, after an oil spill, you're not going to see a whole lot because the oil's floated away. So um, I think that the timing of the, the data gathering was a little off. I think the benthic monitoring, monitoring as, they, as they mentioned, you know, they only visited seven of the 10 sites because of the weather and this and that. It was late into the fall before they got going. Benthic means the ocean floor, which in this area can be very, very, very deep. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are really deep fjords. So even having the equipment to go down to the bottom, uh, I'm not sure that that was, um, that was available to the, org- to the organization. Um, the stakeholder consultations that they mentioned um, were very deficient in my, to my mind. They did not involve any of the um, stakeholders that would be um, critical of the industry. So none of the professors at Memorial that have issues with aquaculture were interviewed. None of the conservation groups that were uh, involved in uh, watchdogging the environmental impacts of the open net pen industry were interviewed. It was basically cherry picking um, uh, stakeholder consultations were in 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 my view. Well, it's not, uh, they don't uh, tell us uh, who exactly they, uh, they interviewed, but I, I see um, also uh, they, uh, they say that water sampling was originally planned, but a decision to abandon water sampling was made once the monitoring started. Uh, so that's um, one deficiency. And um, they also had, uh, they had trouble um, uh, with uh, getting some of the, uh, doing some of the work because of the weather. I mean, even the shoreline monitoring was just visual for, for fat. There was no bacterial or viral analysis done. I mean, one of the sites that we visited, um, we took viral samples of the fat, collected uh, um, fat samples for viral analysis. And uh, we got caught by the company when we were doing it. And um, within days of us taking the samples, because we weren't allowed on the sites to take samples, so we just took them adjacent on the beach. And once they realized what we were doing, um, a few days later, government admitted that IPN virus was found at that site that they caught us at. So IPN virus is um, a very prevalent um, aquaculture virus in Newfoundland and in the world in general. It's one of the uh, five OIE reportable viruses. So they're interna- it's an internationally reportable virus. 
Um, you have to notify your trade partners that you have fish that are sick with, sick with this disease. Um, it, it's a pretty serious thing. Um, so I see a lot of issues with the shoreline monitoring just because of the lack of rigor and depth of analysis of the impacts um, or potential impacts of, of the uh, result of, you know, <laughs> a lot a lot of fish, you know, tens of millions of pounds of fish, um, much of which was shredded and, and released back into the environment. So we have this uh, this very thin uh, MAMP covered port that uh, that doesn't deal with all the aspects of the salmon die off. And I guess, you know, some people were, I guess, a little bit surprised, but on the other hand, it was consistent with what they what they see as a, as a very close relationship uh, between um, you know, Bugag, uh, uh, First Nation in particular, which has uh, had a history in, in aquaculture over the years. Um, and uh, of course, um, uh, they've had a, a relationship with uh, Northern Harvest. But the particulars of that relationship, uh, we see talked about in some detail in uh, this leaked uh, document that uh, I would like to ask you about now, uh, Bill. It's a, um, it's a presentation given by uh, Mio Bugic First Nation at the uh, a fisheries conference in January of this year. It's a fisheries conference uh, organized by the Atlantic Policy Congress, uh, First Nations Chief Secretariat, which is the all the First Nations or most of the First Nations in Atlantic Canada. So this was a, a fisheries conference, and um, and uh, Neil Bugeg uh, went to give a presentation. Can you tell us about um, what? Can you tell us about the? about the source of the presentation. Obviously someone with access to the, to the report uh, has provided it to you. Can you tell us anything uh, else about the, about, the, about the source or how it came into your hands? Well, un unfortunately, Glenn, um, aquaculture is very good at doing one thing um, in terms of community um, um, interaction, and that's dividing a community. So regardless as to what country or what coastline uh, we see net pens uh, developed along, we see the community generally divided right down the middle. Um, half see the the uh, crazy levels of antibiotics dumped in the coves and bays. They see the impacts on the local shellfish and pelagic fishery, the fish that swim near the surface of the ocean, your capelin and herring and smelt and mackerel and these sorts of fish species that are similar to salmon in terms of their disease uh, carrying capabilities. Um, they see the massive die-offs and the waste of feed pellets and, and the plastic and the garbage on the shorelines. And so they have some rather strong feelings about it. So it seems, uh, Bill, we have here, um, I don't know how many people in, in Mjobigeg uh, know that uh, the First Nation expects to uh, gross close to a million dollars um, uh, from this cunner fishery uh, after they've paid their expenses. Yeah, I don't think that's something that the the, um, the, the public knows about that the band has, has been has, has been promoting. Um, so yeah, the there's in that report there's a, a couple of um, very telling I would call it um, um, financial um, implications of uh, of man or uh, of the band um, getting um, financial benefits from the open net pin industry. So. Um, millions of cleaner fish um, to be harvested over in the coming years, um, millions of dollars into the band, um, um, free net pen lease sites for trout aquaculture. So the band is looking to get back into um, open net pen production. 
And this has been something that's been ongoing since uh, last summer, fall. And uh, I think they've, they've, they've come a long way down that road now to, to, the, to the extent that they've gathered up free net pen rings, um, free equipment, uh, for, uh, um, free lease sites. And it looks like despite that they lost their shirt and pretty much went bankrupt the last time they tried this, that they're going to get back into the net pen game again if they haven't already. So that's some some of the examples of some of the uh, issues with uh, with uh, a lack of transparency, maybe or public transparency, and um, a lack of at arm's length between uh, the band and and Maui that that report highlights. And we also note that Shane McDonald is the executive director of Mamka. He is the executive director of uh, Neobugic Fisheries and uh, as well as um, being head of the Justice Department um, at uh, Neobugig, which uh, I guess is the legal department. So he, he's, uh, he's a man who's wearing many hats. You're listening to Mi'kmaq Matters. This week, our topic is the tight relationship between Miobugek First Nation and the aquaculture industry. The second leaked document we have is the official internal meeting note of a meeting between Premier Dwight Ball, Fisheries Minister Jerry Byrne, and Environment Minister Derek Bragg, along with Fortune Bay MHA Elvis Loveless, with two reps from Maui, a meeting on September 25th at 2 p.m., The notes set out Maui's asks from the government in the way of legislative and regulatory changes. The note also offers details of the developing commercial relationship between Maui and Miobugek. The notes indicate that Maui is in the early stages of leasing trout sites to Miobugek. We're speaking to aquaculture watchdog Bill Bryden about the meeting notes. Those meeting notes um, happened uh, during a giant aquaculture conference that was happening in the fall, where we see the government glad-handing industry telling the public how wonderful aquaculture is and how we should expand on it, when on the very day that they're on in front of the TV cameras telling us this, um, there's a massive die-off involving millions of fish um, and extreme mortality rates happening all summer and fall, and disease outbreaks happening all summer and fall um, along the south coast. Um, and so, yeah, some of, some of the other talking points that were involved in that meeting um, show the very strong connection between, uh, between uh, First Nations, Con First Nations, and, um, and, uh, and Maui. Mm-hmm. What are you hearing from people in the community? It's uh, obviously in a small town, it's hard to, um, to be public, uh, to be critical of uh, the Bay government when... Um, you know, you might see someone walking down the road, um, you know, the band provides services to people. So it's, uh, it's hard to go on, on a limb and uh, make public statements about uh, the band's involvement in, uh, in aquaculture. Aquaculture is very good at doing one thing, and it's dividing a community. So those that are getting financial benefits, of course, are telling, them things, telling themselves things that they need to to let them sleep at night about the environmental impacts um, of this industry. And the other half, the community that aren't getting paid directly or receiving a direct financial benefit from the uh, from the from the net pens, um, are feeling like they're being suppressed. 
they they can't they don't have a voice they can't speak out about concerns they're scared to death to take pictures of things that would show the industry in a bad light um there a lot of times their relatives are working in the industry so it's really divisive of uh of of community strength and community structure Megamaw Matters reached out for a comment to Chief Mazel Joe and to Shane McDonald. Shane McDonald is the executive director of both MAMCA and Nagutalink. He's also the vice chief of Miobugek and the head of the Justice and Legal Affairs Department on the Miobugek staff. We did not receive a reply from Shane McDonald or from Chief Joe. Meanwhile, the election for Meobegeg Chief and Council takes place on June 4th. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Megamaw Matters. Thanks to our financial supporters who help us by email transfer or by being patrons at patreon.com forward slash Matters. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter for the latest Make them on news. This is Glenn Wheeler saying, look after yourselves. Nimoltus. No